Hey guys, cold open. We have something magical to announce. This year, our Halloween special is a collaboration with Gore Report. Yes! On October 31st, you can join us on Burden of Proof as Alicia and Ray tell spooky stories while Gage and I add fun commentary. And as soon as you're done with our episode, head on over to Gore Report, where you can hear Gage and Savannah tell some more spooky tales. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. Murder time! How are you? I'm full. We just ate lunch. Yes, so I'm I'm good. I'm Savannah. I'm Alicia. This is Burden of Proof. So I don't really have any business to take care of. Let's just jump right in. Yeah, I'm excited. I am too. This has been I've worked on this case for two weeks just because of the way that things have worked out. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. I only know the movie. Yes, so we are covering the scream murder of Cassie Jo Stoddart today. Um, I don't know what's up with me and all the media cases recently, but that's just what's holding my attention, so that's what we're doing. (laughs) All right. So we open in a quiet small town called Pocatello, Idaho. Pocatello. Pocatello. Um, Yeah, there's an O, not an A. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, just it, over half of the population is Mormon in Pocatello. So you kind of know what you're dealing with. This is a small town. Uh, this is one of those towns that nothing ever happens in. Nothing ever happens in Pocatello. Until. Right. Until. <laughs> something until happened in Pocatello. Nothing happens until it does. Yep. So in September 2006, something happens in Pocatello, Idaho. <gasps> what? 1990. We're going to back up. 1990, Brian Lee Draper is born. He was adopted into a pretty normal family. There's no record of anything out of the ordinary occurring as he was growing up. Um, Well, no, nothing happens in Pocatello. Exactly. (laughs) Nothing happens in Pocatello. Um, Unfortunately, Brian had a stutter, and he struggled with this throughout school, but especially throughout middle school. He didn't fit in, and he felt kind of like a loser. And that's something that he says he kind of always felt, no matter stutter or not. He always just kind of innately felt like a loser and an outcast in his own mind. That's interesting. Yeah. To me, when people, like, that's the word he used, was Uh loser. Like a loser. Because I always kind of felt like an outcast, like I don't quite fit in anywhere in particular. But I never thought of myself as a loser. And those are his words. That's interesting. As he got a little bit older, he turned to online chat rooms and forums to find his friends. This would be all fine and dandy if the forums were about One Direction or puppies or rainbows <laughs> or Attack on Titans or Pokemon. Yeah. Or boobs. Sorry, I'm laughing because One Direction was your first go-to. Oh, yeah. Because that's what I was like all into. Yeah. Um, Side note, I <laughs> was asking Nicholas and my friend Cameron, um, what, like, what were you guys into in middle school? I don't know, like, what he should have been into rather than what he was actually talking about online. And they both just said boobs at the same time <laughs> from different of ends of the house. Yeah. They both just go middle school boys, sixth grade boobs. So Nicholas wanted me to clarify. It wasn't that he was looking at porn in sixth grade. He was just Googling the word boobs. Well, I mean, you're gonna find porn. <laughs> yeah, but he just wasn't refined enough. He didn't even know what he was doing. He was just like, yeah, ah, boobs. No. So, yeah, I thought that was funny, so I wanted to tell you about that. <laughs> but no, he wasn't looking at any forums like this. No, no. <laughs> Brian was often on forums talking about school shootings, and specifically the Columbine shootings. Yep. Or shooting. Gonna be honest. As somebody who has grown up and been on like not a part of but near several school shootings in my life this was almost a no-go case for me the minute I see Columbine or Sandy Hook or any of those I'm like I don't know if I can do that yeah Um, you know Gen Z we've really grown up in that generation of like okay lockdowns pretend you're dead which is horrifying but anyway I'm glad I kept going because this case was really interesting now Tori Adam Chick or as I like to call him Tori Adam Dick (laughs) was born in June 1990, and he met Brian a few months before the crime occurred. 
Tori was obsessed with horror movies, most specifically Scream. Scream, the Scream franchise. He and Brian instantly fell into a friendship because they were able to bond over the love of dark media and, like, just creepy crap that they liked. And I think also, like, this is just a personal theory. I think they also bonded out of convenience because otherwise they probably would have been outcast and not had anybody else. Yeah. So when they were together, they created the opportunity for more friends because when you're not an outcast and you have even one other friend, you're more approachable to people. Yeah. So it could have been a convenience or that sort of kind of friendship as well. Yeah. Because sometimes when you're listening to them talk to each other, you I don't even think they liked each other that much. That makes sense. Yeah, it was weird. So one day, Tori and Brian were skipping a school assembly, hanging out, sitting on the floor in the bathroom, and Tori broke the ice. He asked the question that he had been thinking about for a while. Tori asked Brian if he had ever thought about doing any of the things that they watch in horror movies in real life. And Brian admitted that he had, and more specifically, that he had thought about committing something like a school shooting before. So for these two teenage boys... The planning began. Tori loved horror movies, as I've already mentioned, and he was always had his camcorder in his hand. He was filming everything all the time. And during this process, he tended to film him and Brian planning things. Sometimes they would use code words. Sometimes they would just be talking about it. And if anybody asked them, they would say, oh, we're talking about a horror movie we're planning to film. This was just really well known across the school because they always had their cameras out. So... You know. Sorry. I'm responding (laughs) for the listeners. I'm responding with my eyes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just... How believable is that? We're doing this as a movie. Who knows? I don't know. But I think sometimes kids just think, oh, the weird kid. They don't take it seriously. Yeah, exactly. Um, Now, they planned several crimes that didn't actually work. And they went back and forth about whether they wanted to do something more like Scream or more like Columbine, and they ended up kind of compromising and planning that they wanted to have a high body count like Columbine, and they wanted the flare and the flash of something like the movie Scream. Tori did not want to do this without the Scream style of scaring somebody nearly to death. Yeah. If you haven't seen the Scream movies, the killers in the Scream franchise have a tendency to kind of torture their victims with fear Mm -hmm. um, before they die. And I will say, I actually really like the Scream franchise, they're so cheesy and kitschy in their own way. I really enjoy them. So. Yeah. I don't think I saw anything but the first one. Yeah. Any horror movie that has, that turns into a franchise, you have to kind of yeah. take it with the thought process of this is going to be yeah campy. Yeah. Camp. It's, 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 it it's is gonna so be, campy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not. Because if you don't, then yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. So in Scream... The killer tends to call the victims, stalk them, break into their homes before stabbing them in a mask and cloak. The ghost face mask. Everybody knows the ghost face mask. Oh, sorry. Yes. Matt just showed me (laughs) a news article where a man wore the scream mask to sign for his lottery winnings because he didn't want (laughs) his family members to know who he was. That he won Tag the lottery. Yourself. But the thing is, as hilarious as it was to me, of course, my logical and legal brain kicked in. And I was like, that doesn't work for two reasons. One, your name is still there. And even if you have a common name, I guess maybe that's the only way it would work is if you have yeah. a common name that you could be like, well, it wasn't me. When when your it's family's so like, funny, it was though. you. And he goes, but how would would they really like how many people actually look up to see who who won the lottery? And I go, well, I do. They will if they if a guy's in a mask trying to yeah hide his identity? Of course, people are gonna look it up. The ghost face mask um, last year at Halloween was all over TikTok, and like people were thirst trapping with it, and like hot guys <laughs> were wearing nothing but the scream mask, and <laughs> it was a whole thing. You could not buy a scream mask within or a ghost face mask throughout the entire United States they were all sold out it had a whole revival yeah. especially considering the new screen movie that came out last year so convenient yeah 10 so, out of 10 sorry recommend about that though. rabbit trail but yeah, it was a good rabbit trail funny. so prior to their crime Brian and Tori began curating their weapons they asked an older guy or student I'm not sure how they knew him his name was Joe 
to go into a pawn shop and they bought four knives with $40 that Tori got out of an ATM. And Joe remembers that like, oh, well, the knives actually cost me like $46, but he just gave me 40. It's like, okay, that's really what you're worried about right now. So there's a video of from their camcorder at this time where Brian goes, we're going for a high death count. And he also taunted the FBI agents that would be investigating their crimes. So they thought, because they thought they were going to be so infamous that the FBI was going to be watching these tapes. They'd be like, dang it. We missed him again. <laughs> They're just too smart for us. Oh, shucks. <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert. It's not how this happens. <laughs> so, yeah. So then in that same video, they said that they were on their way to a Jane Doe's house to attempt to kill her. They had anywhere between six and ten, ten failed attempts at this crime. It's a lot of time to back out. Yeah. So premeditation, not even a question at this point. They have tried to kill somebody between six and ten times. The numbers vary. I mean, I know you need practice to get good at things, but. (laughs) They just couldn't get these people alone. They were trying to go to their houses when they were by themselves. They were riding around in Tori's car, going to their classmates' house and trying to find it. There's also a video of them planning their attempt in a fourth period class that they were in they were supposed to be they skipped a fourth year a fourth hour to talk about their death list and plan out their murder so they couldn't get anybody home alone until unfortunately a sweet girl named cassie joe stoddart happened to have the wrong friends at the wrong time Mm. cassie really loved art she played soccer she was a great student and all over really well-rounded she was a really sweet girl who was saving for her first car. I mean, most 16-year-olds are saving for yeah. their first car. She had a boyfriend named Matt. Um, and Matt and Cassie had been together about five months. And they had together recently become friends with Brian and Tori. She had been living with her grandparents for most of her life. And for some reason or another, had just gone back to living with her mom and her mom's boyfriend. She was a babysitter normally to make money, but when her aunt asked her to house sit while they were gone for the weekend, Cassie said yes. Out on Whispering Cliffs, kind of far from most things, was a large house with several dogs and cats that Cassie was going to be staying at for the weekend. No adults, just her, her dogs, and her boyfriend. So unfortunately, she was the perfect victim for Tori and Brian. So I... And this, like, do you know how many times I, I dog sat and, and house sat all through high school and college? Yeah. I was in houses all by myself all the time. It's completely normal. And it's so sad. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. The, the only thing that came to mind was if only one of those dogs was, like, a guard dog, oh, an attack dog. Oh, just wait. <gasps> so I really, I really want to get into how stupid these guys are <laughs> because – They had a full-blown conversation over whether or not the word evil is directly related to God. They get Ed Kemper and Ed Gein confused, and they often compare themselves to Ted Bundy. Uh, Um, Ted Bundy, by the way, spent years killing. And, like, I just don't think these guys understand that he was very good at what he did. Yeah. Until he wasn't. (laughs) He convinced a woman to help him tow a boat out of the lake with a vw beetle yeah and his broken arm (laughs) yeah so i'm there is like obviously audio and video clips because they filmed everything and i was gonna play them and then i was like no these stupid sons of bitches wanted these things played i don't want to do that yeah so even though I know that they're not making any money off of it it still just rubbed me the wrong way yeah so I'm just gonna read it does it for fame yeah Yeah. that's the last thing we want to do so I'm gonna read it I don't know if that's any better but it makes me feel a little bit better so Brian says we found our victim and as sad as it may be she's oh I should say they're in um Tori's car and Tori is driving and Brian is filming from the passenger seat okay Adam says we found our victim and as sad as it may be she's our friend but you know what we all have to make sacrifices our first victim is going to be Cassie Stoddart and her friends. Brian says, we'll let you. And he kind of laughs and he says, we'll figure out if she has friends over. If she's going to be alone in a big dark house out in the middle of nowhere. 
I mean, how perfect can you get? Like, holy shit, dude. Tori, in his ever-loving grace, says, I'm horny just thinking about it. Oh, <laughs> gross. Brian says, hell yeah. So we're just going to fucking kill her and her friends, and we're going to keep moving on. I heard some news about Jane Doe. She's going to be home alone from 6 to 7, so we might kill her and drive over to Cassie's thing and scare the shit out of them and then kill them one by fucking one. Hell yeah. Tori says, one by one? Why can't it be a slaughterhouse? Brian says, two by two and three by three, because we've got to keep it classy. Tori says, keep it classy. Brian, so yeah, it's going to be extra fun. Tori, you're evil. (laughs) Brian, yeah, I am. So are you, dude. Evil. Evil. Tori, no. Evil is is an expression of God. That was another test you failed. What? (laughs) Evil is not an expression of God. Tori, yes, it is. Brian, that's bullshit and you know it. (laughs) Tori, evil of origin is a follower of fucking Satan. Brian, there is no Satan. Tori, is Satan real? Then shut up. Brian, how are we supposed to express ourselves? Tori, good and bad. Brian, yeah, we're bad. Tori, yeah, we are bad, Brian. That sounds so shitty. Tori, we're evil. That sounds even shittier. Brian, hey, we're not, okay? Then we're six psychopaths who get their pleasures off killing people. Tori, that sounds good, baby. Brian, we're going to go down in history. We're going to be just like Scream, except real life terms. Tori, that sounds good, baby. Brian, we're going to be murderers. Like, let's see. Ted Bundy, like the Hillside Strangler. There were two Hillside Stranglers. (laughs) Tori, no. (laughs) Brian, the Zodiac Killer. Tori, those people were more amateurs compared to what we're going to do. We're going to be. We're going to be of more higher sources. Like Ed Gould. Brian, Gein. Tori, Gein. Brian, well, let's just say that we're sick and that twisted. Tori, oh, you know what Ed Gein's words were? Brian, what? Tori, he saw a girl walking down the street, right? Two questions came to his head. Hmm, I could take her out and have a nice time with her. Brian interrupts. And then kill her? Skin her alive? Tori, charm the pants off her. Or, or I could wonder what her head would look like on a stick. Brian, holy shit. Tori, it's creepy, huh? Brian, kick ass. Brian, murder is power, murder is freedom. Goodbye. (laughs) So. (laughs) I feel wrong laughing because, you know. But they're so stupid. That is the cringiest thing. Yeah, it's teenage cringe at its worst. I don't know. Even at 16, I don't know if I would be saying something like that. Well, no, I just, when I was a teenager, I hung out with some people that thought they were really badass and would like talk up so i mean they weren't murdering anybody don't get me wrong they're not like that but edgy just that back and forth and yeah trying to be edgy trying to be cool but like they argue so much and i i swear they don't even like each other (laughs) yeah like tori corrects brian at every second he can and it's just it's annoying so of course they're literally filming this they're filming them talking about it. I feel like that should be the number one rule of a murder. I feel like they should have gone back and, like, you should have played back your videos before moving forward with your plan, because chances are you would have realized that you sound stupid. How stupid you sound in the moment. Yeah. Maybe some hindsight would have been good. do that. Oh, no. So, the night of the murder... Cassie and Matt are dropped off at the Whispering Cliffs house around 5.30 p.m. by her mom. Cassie had asked her aunt and uncle if she could bring Matt over beforehand, and they were all like, yes, because Cassie was such a responsible kid. This is so, like... I was going to say, there's no way my parents would have been like, yeah, you can go house sit with your boyfriend at 16. Yeah, and, like, he wasn't staying over. He was just going to hang out. Okay. No, he wasn't going to stay over originally. The two of them stayed at the house and hung out around until around 8.30 when Brian and Tori showed up. They were disappointed because they thought this was going to be a party and they wanted it to be just like Scream where they tormented people at a party. But Cassie was way too responsible for it to actually be a party. It was just some friends and she'd asked her aunt and uncle beforehand if they could do that. But she was never planning on having a party. Um, Brian and Tori took a tour of the home even lifting some of the weights that were in the basement before they all went back upstairs and decided to watch a movie. Tori picked Kill Bill 3. 
Around 9.30, which is an hour later, Tori and Brian announced that this was lame and they were bored and they wanted to go see a movie at the theater. Because they're too cool. Well, clearly. Have you heard their their videos? (laughs) Yeah, they're too cool for this. This is boring. Cassie's mom called to check on her at some point at this around this time-ish. And she said, yeah, we're great. We're just watching movies. So her and Matt continued to just watch movies and have a good time until around 10 o'clock. At 10 p.m., the power cut off. After a few minutes, it came back on. But Matt and Cassie decided that it must have been something going on at the power company because the power eventually turned back on. It hadn't just, like, turned off and stayed off. They didn't think it was a breaker. Because if it had been a breaker, it wouldn't have turned back on. Everything seemed to be a little bit more normal. The power turned back on. It was just really creepy. But then the dogs started to act really strange. One of them continued to stare and bark at the basement door. And it was really scaring Cassie because the lights are turning on and off. They're out in the middle of nowhere. She yeah. knows she's about to be by herself. So she asks Matt if he could stay with her because she was scared. He called his mom and asked and she says, no, there's no way I have something for you to come do at home. Like she's more than welcome to come stay over with us. It sounds like she's scared and I'm OK with you guys staying the night yeah. at my house as long as we're together. And yeah. There's an adult. Supervise. Yeah. But Matt's mom heard Cassie say in the background. Nope, it's my responsibility to watch the animals in the house. I told her I would. I have to stay. So at around 11, Matt's mom shows up to pick him up from Whispering Cliffs. He asks again if he can stay, and she says no, but reiterates again, Cassie's more than welcome to come home with us and just come back in the morning. And she even said, it's probably okay. Your aunt and uncle would probably be okay if you just came back in the morning. At this point, it's only going to be a few hours, and the dogs are going to be fine. And she says, no, it's... That's what I signed up to do, and she goes back inside. She decides that she's just going to sleep on the couch because she's too scared to go to the room she was staying in. So she laid down and put on a movie and tried to calm down. But then she started to hear it. Footsteps downstairs. And then rushing footsteps up the basement stairs. And then a few silent, terrifying moments later, she started to hear doors slamming around in the basement. Finally, she ran to grab the phone, and the basement door creaked open. And all Cassie saw was two people in cloaks and some terrifying masks. They were white with blood dripping down half the face. She screamed, who are you? If you come for me, I will fight back. And that is when Tori lunged at her. The boy stabbed her somewhere around 30 times, and 14 to 16 of those stab wounds were fatal. Jeez. They left, they got in Tori's car, and they filmed another video. And here is a transcript. September 22nd, 2006, 11.31 p.m. Brian. I just killed Cassie. We just left her house. This is not a fucking joke. Tori, I'm shaking. Brian, I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body. It just disappeared. Dude, I just killed Cassie. Tori. Oh my god. Brian. Oh. Oh fuck. That felt like it wasn't even real. I mean, it went by so fast. Tori, shut the fuck up. We gotta get our act straight. Brian, it's okay, okay? Well, we'll just buy movie tickets now. Tori, okay. And they left. That was, they turned it off. They continued on to a convenience store. They bought matches. They bought movie tickets. And then they drove to a valley where they burned some of the evidence and buried it in a shallow hole. And then they go home. Oh, my. I don't know what to say to that. I needed a water break. That's fine. That's why I, I wanted, I want to comment, but. Yeah. Unfortunately, they did do what they wanted to do with scaring her. That's terrifying. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So. And I felt like when I watch scary movies, part of why I don't watch scary movies anymore. It's because I always yell. I always wanted to yell at the people. Run. Mm-hmm. Why are you standing there? She fought back. Yeah. But it's hard. Yeah. So two days later, Cassie's aunt, uncle, and cousin returned from their trip. Cassie's 13-year-old cousin is unfortunately the one who found Cassie lying in the living room floor. The scene was absolutely covered in blood. Lieutenant Robert Lausch, Lanch, one of those. Okay. (laughs) Was on weekend duty when he got the call. 
her aunt called and said, there's a woman dead on my floor. She's missing a finger. She didn't recognize that it was Cassie right away. Oh, my gosh. He knew that it was really serious because this kind of thing doesn't happen in Pocatello. Yeah. He knew right where it was because it was actually pretty close to the police station. And once he got to the scene, it was like nothing he'd ever dealt with. So he called his captain. Captain John knew from Robert's voice that something was really, really wrong. Her mom, Anna, said, I was still waiting for her to walk out of that house and for her to be okay. And it wasn't happening. And I was like curious because it had been two days since Cassie died. I was like, nobody heard from her for two days. Yeah. I mean, her mom checked in on her the night of. And her mom said that halfway through the weekend, she realized she hadn't heard from Cassie. She called and she hadn't heard back. So she got busy. And before she knew it, it was really late at night. And so she just said, you know, in the morning, I'm just going to go up there and bring her butt home. I don't like that I haven't heard from her. Like, this is weird. It was just too late. My gosh. So, I mean, it just sounds like she got busy. And honestly, I kind of get it. Like, when I was dog sitting and cat sitting outside, there would be days that I didn't hear from my mom or I didn't check in with my mom. Like, you just get busy. Unfortunately, it just happens. Yeah. So, Monday, the news started to spread around the school. Justin Sands was one of their close friends at school. He was her journal partner in English. He said that he had just seen her on Friday and that she laughed at every one of his jokes and he was always excited to see her in class every day. And everyone at school thought it had to be somebody else in their school because they just didn't know where else to look. Yeah. Um, But they couldn't figure out the motive because Cassie was really well-liked. Well, yeah, the motive had nothing to do with her. Exactly. So they couldn't figure it out. The house was really disrupted because... Cassie was fighting, but there was no sign of a murder weapon or a break-in. Right. Because luck, they didn't really break in. When they were touring the house, he went downstairs and, there and was unlocked a door. A door. In the ba- yeah. I hate exterior doors and oh, basements. Gosh, seriously, who thinks that's a good idea? I hate them. So no. the captain, Captain John and Lieutenant Robert did not wait around. They did everything as quickly as they could, and they started by getting her last day figured out. And finally, they figured out that Matt was the last one who saw her, so they called him. While they were doing that, there were people investigating the house, and they were trying to figure out why the lights flickered after they got Matt's story. And they checked the breaker box because they were like, well, obviously, if the lights are flickering, we should figure out why and see what happened. And um, there were some fingerprints on the breaker box. And they got a match. It was Cassie's mom's boyfriend, Victor. What? Yeah. At the aunt and uncle's house. Mm-hmm. But actually, he had just done some work at their house and his prints would have okay. been on the box. Yeah. So he had an alibi for the night and yeah. he had nothing to do with it. So let's talk about Matt Beckham a little bit, um, who was the last person to see Cassie live. And it was Cassie's boyfriend. Yeah. The captain said that he really didn't show much emotion when he told him that Cassie was dead, which was kind of weird. It's weird, but they were only together for five months, and he's a teenager, and he probably was just in shock. Like, that's hard to wrap your mind around. The other thing was that a couple of nights later, like the next night, he had actually stayed over at Tori's house. Wow. I mean, but they were friends, right? They were friends, and they had no idea. If he had no idea that they had had to do with with it. it. So his story matched up with Anna's story and his story matched up with what his mom was saying. He told them that they blamed the lights on the power company because they really didn't know what else it could be. And everything lined up and said that that was by all means the last time he saw Cassie. Yeah. He called her because he knew the power was having issues, but he never had any luck. Um, unfortunately, his demeanor kind of made him suspicious, and especially at school, people really thought that he had something to do with it. But but that's kind of one of those things that was he acting suspicious? I mean, like, I get police are going to look at him if he doesn't show any emotion and kind of you, you got to question it. Not to mention that nine times out of ten, like, let's just be real. Statistically yeah. speaking, it's yeah. usually women getting murdered by partners. Normally, yeah. That's the first person they're always going to look at yeah, is the exactly. boyfriend, the husband, whatever. And if he acts semi-suspicious, they're going to. But as far as the kid acting weird in school, is it that he was acting weird or 
because he's guilty or is it that he's acting weird because he knows this is high school of course everybody's going to be talking about it and yeah. he probably doesn't want to talk about it and the more people look at him like you're being weird the more he or you're acting guilty the more mm-hmm. he's going to act that way oh that's exactly when it was because yeah spoiler alert matt had nothing to do with this at all yeah he was just a bystander and actually, Matt's really lucky that he was alive because Tori and Brian were absolutely prepared to kill him. Yes. They thought he was going to be there. Yeah, we'll get into the timeline a little bit more in a little bit. Gosh, just as a mom, put mm-hmm. my, my mom hat on right now. Mm-hmm. And I just thought about his mom mm-hmm. and how torn she probably felt after that. Mm-hmm. Like on one hand, torn, like what if he had stayed? Would she have gotten killed? But on the other hand, like... Thank God I brought my kid out of that yeah. because he could have ended up dead too. And she tried so hard to get Cassie to, to come because yeah. she just kind of had a weird feeling. But yeah. they had some family stuff going on at home and they really needed Matt at home. So right. maybe the next day or the day after, Matt actually took a polygraph test and passed with flying colors. And at the end of the test, he mentioned something about Tori and Brian stopping, ho- stopping by the house on Friday. This was the first time the police had heard about Tori and Brian. Yeah. Matt probably didn't mention it because he didn't think it would matter since they actually left before he did. And he was being questioned because he was the last person to see her. Yeah. He didn't think anything about it. The police not only wanted to meet with them because they didn't know about them, but because they were just hoping to fill in some of the gaps. Right. Tori and Brian told them that they got in at 830, watched part of Kill Bill 2, toured the house, and left by 930. They told detectives they went to the movies after, but couldn't tell them what happened at the movie. So they knew something was up. Yeah. So the detectives were like, well, let's just go to the movie theater and see if anybody saw them. So detectives went to the movie theater and talked to a girl who worked there who said she actually went to school with Tori and Brian and they definitely hadn't seen that movie. Right. So they were this like, oh. a small town, dude. Uh-huh. You can get away with, like, showing a movie ticket at a, in a large city, mm-hmm. in a large theater, but a small town, everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. So the police knew they were lying, but they didn't know why they were lying, like definitively. Yeah. yeah. But they tried to speak with him again. They couldn't get in with Tori because his parents were like, no. But they could with Brian. Brian came into the station with his parents, and he admitted to not going to the movies. He told them that he and Tori were, they had been going through cars. They, were went, they went through cars, basically looking for unlocked cars to loot through. He said that they didn't want to tell him because obviously that was illegal, Um, And that's why they told him about the movie, but they didn't have anything to do with the murder of Cassie. He stuttered throughout the entire interview, and they scheduled him for a polygraph test the next morning. However, when the time came, he was too upset for the test, and the tester called his parents, and the detective came so that they would talk to him. Brian told them that Tori snuck in through the basement that they had unlocked while touring the house with the intentions to prank Cassie, just to scare her. He said they came up the stairs and shut the doors really loud to scare her. And Cassie, who was out, started asking who was there, and she screamed. But that is when Tori supposedly stabbed her so many times, saying that he had to kill her. Basically, he gave up Tori, but kind of kept himself innocent. Yeah. So they finally get Tori into a room with his parents and ask him what they knew and and told him what they knew. Excuse me. Tori admitted to going through cars. The detective said, well, we don't believe you, and I don't think your dad believes you either, which was kind of interesting. But directly after that, not even two seconds later, Tori says, I want an attorney. Yeah. So they held them both and charged them both with first-degree murder because the captain knew he still quite hadn't heard the real story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like, mm, the same right. Brian never got a lawyer, and... Also, I saw a couple sources kind of talking about how Tori's parents had an attorney, but they were having trouble getting the answer that they wanted. It seemed like they really just wanted a magical solution to wipe this all away and get Tori out of it um, because they fully believe their son. When Tori tells them, oh, Brian's the one who did it. I just got like messed up in it. They absolutely believe Tori and they go through a couple lawyers trying to figure out, well, I, you need to get him out of this. And the attorneys are all saying, well, we have to see what they have and what they charge you with, and then we can come up with a plan, but we probably can't get him off of everything. Right. And they aren't happy with that answer. His parents wanted a solution right then. So. Listen. People always have unrealistic expectations. If you could hear my eyes rolling. <laughs> yeah. 
because I didn't grow up with parents, especially my mom was not the kind of mom that thinks the sun rises and sets on her children yeah. and that they can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. So I didn't quite understand it when I would see that happen with even people I was friends with, you know, or mm-hmm. whatever. Like I would see friends do things that I would have totally gotten busted for and they got away with it because their parents were just in denial about even seeing the signs Mm -hmm. that would lead them to that um now that I'm a parent myself I love my children but they aren't perfect and do I think my children would do something this crazy no but (laughs) if the signs were that they were involved in something like this yeah they're gonna be have to be more scared of me than a cop Mm -hmm. fair enough so, Brian never did get an attorney, so he was more pliable, and he was talking. So, bit by bit, they got more of the story. This is when he tells them about the masks and the outfit. He told them where that stuff would be, and then he took them there. The detective said it was straight out of a horror movie, ironically, what they saw. Yep. They had stashed their stuff at Black Rock Canyon. Captain says this is when it really got real for him, that they were dealing with, like, a kid murder. <laughs> like they, it was, yeah. He showed him where they had buried the evidence. This was um, the murder weapons, the mask, the clothes, and a videotape. The videotape was burned pretty bad, so they sent it off to experts to see if maybe they could get something off of it. Yeah. They didn't burn it well enough because they got most everything off of that tape. The experts started watching it and called them and said, you should get here and watch this. So the captain was incredibly nervous because he thought he was about to have to watch Cassie get murdered. Oh, yeah. Um, But luckily, if that is what he saw, if they did film it, he never, they've never said it. It was never shown or anything like that. Um, I don't think that it was, but you never know. On the video, you can clearly see Cassie at her locker talking with Tori and Brian. They film themselves talking about and discussing their death list and the plan for the night. There was one point where Brian said, "Um, I'm sorry, Cassie's family, but she has to be the one. We have to stick to the plan. So this is when they really get all the nitty gritty details. Brian went downstairs and unlocked the basement door. At 10, they snuck back through that basement door with hunting knives and their costumes on. They flicked the power to scare them, and it worked. They really wanted them to come downstairs. He wanted to lure them downstairs with the power, but that didn't work. While they're in the basement, Matt calls them from the car, telling them that he's leaving Cassie's, because they had said they were going to go see a movie, and he said, well, I don't know. My mom's saying she needs me at home, but maybe later, because it's a Friday night, we could do something or whatever. He was just kind of checking up, but he mentioned that he had left. They're yeah. taking that call in the basement of the house. Oh my gosh. So after Matt left, they waited about 30 minutes and then they went upstairs and they killed Cassie. They filmed one more thing, that transcript I read earlier. Mm-hmm. They stopped at the convenience store and tried to burn the tape that they were hiding. That was what was on the tape. If Matt had been killed at the house, they might never have known that Tori and Brian were ever there. Yeah. Because the only reason they knew was because Matt told them. It's It's, pretty crazy. But wait, didn't she ask for permission to have, or did she just ask for She just asked for Matt, but like it was kind of an open-ended invitation of like, yeah, you can have friends over because it's Cassie and they know that she's not going to throw a party. Right. So they're like, yeah, just enjoy it. They had a beautiful home, so... Yeah. It was great for that sort of thing. So, yeah. Hmm. So, let's get into what happens now that they're caught because, um, Mr. We're just like Ted Bundy. It only took them five days to catch you. <laughs> and they had you in custody after like two. You, you idiots. didn't bust out. And you didn't bust out and run away for five days and come back with the sexy Zach Efron beard. <laughs> so, you're not Ted Bundy. They were tried separately, and they obviously turned on each other so quick, one of them blaming the other. The prosecutor quickly discovered their kill list with about a dozen students and the goal of creating another Columbine. 
There's even a video of them discussing just doing a school shooting. So the Dateline special on this, the last day Dateline special is pretty good. Mm -hmm. And in that, there's a Dr. James Garbano or Garbino, Garbarino, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I read it twice and then looked and realized there was an I, so (laughs) who knows? I should really learn to say these names out loud before I sit down. (laughs) He specializes in teen violence and um, Tori later discusses the feeling of having, having an audience while they were doing the crime and feeling like, People were watching, and that's part mm-hmm. of the reason they were filming. And Dr. James Garbarino says that this is really common due to the age that they grew up in, the digital age, and having oh, yeah. the cameras all the time, and they feel like people are watching. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it easier for them to commit these acts because it almost feels like peer pressure. Oh. So that was interesting. So during my research... I really found myself combing through a 700-page document with all the court records um, looking for, yeah, all of the interesting bits of information. The reality is, though, most things were done pretty much right in the case. So there's some interesting things, but not a whole lot. And um, the court documents get mixed up a lot between the two because the trials were really close to identical, from what I can tell. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, each defense attorney does things a little bit differently, but they yeah. both had the same story of saying it was really the other one who was doing it all. So mm-hmm. it's hard. It was hard to kind of go back and forth. So if you get confused, because um, I feel like a lot of this, what I ended up pulling from was Brian's trial. But that's why I get confused, because all of these documents just get mixed up together. So hard to tell. Sometimes crap like that just well, happens. That's OK. And he was the one. That unlocked the door and did the stabbing, correct? Tori. Oh, Tori did? Tori. Um, I thought Brian stabbed her. No, Tori. Well, they both ended up stabbing her, but Tori lunged first. Oh, Brian was the one that said that he stabbed her in the throat, though, right? Yeah. In the transcript. They both did it. Like, they are both equally to blame. I was thinking because of that transcript and him saying that, that he he was ultimately the the one. Okay, But Tori is really the one who pushed for the first stab wound, according to, like, what they can kind of guess. Okay. um, Based off of knife wounds and whose fingerprints were on what knife kind of thing. It was really confusing, and I didn't feel like I could confidently talk about it, so I didn't really list it. Well, yeah. That's a lot of forensic detail yeah, that it was confusing. So anyway, the first thing I noticed is that the first thing the judge did was revoke bond for both of them. So that was Go fantastic. Judge. And this was interesting. Brian's attorney had three judges disqualified. Wow. So within the preliminary hearing... In the preliminary process, there is a rule in Idaho, and I meant to look and see if it was in Florida, too, because I was just nosy. Um, But it's specifically in the Criminal Rules and Procedures, Rule 25A1, and it reads, Motion to disqualify in any felony or misdemeanor criminal action, excluding actions before drug courts or in mental health courts. Any party may disqualify one judge by filing a motion for disqualification without stating any grounds, and the motion must be granted if timely filed. Each party in a felony prosecution will have one disqualification without cause of the magistrate appointed to hear the preliminary hearing and another disqualification without the cause of a district of the district judge appointed to hear the trial of the action. So this happened three times, one with Tori, one with Brian and one that self disqualified. Okay. This went through three judges. So the first two, there was one that allows one how did we get three we got three because they each did one um not sure why and i'm also not sure if they were talking to each other about it who knows not supposed to but if you're trying two kids for the same crap who knows what you're doing the third one there was a known reason he had kids who went to pocatello high and he did not feel like he could do it adequately so he self-disqualified but the other two they don't have a reason listed so there had to have been some sort of indication that they would be biased i guess probably yeah i don't know i thought that was an interesting rule and i was like why did you do that but who knows yeah it's probably more common than we think because i guess if you can do that with jury selection then who knows so i was reading lots of newspaper clippings because they were listed as public record as exhibits for the gag order that brian's attorney tried to file 
and it was okay. denied. Okay. Um, but it was fascinating because some of these papers really leaned into the fact that violent media is what caused the boy to do the boys to do these things. Specifically, there were several about the band Slipknot, like being uh, a root cause. I'm sorry, my husband hates when I say this, but I hate Slipknot. I mean, I don't listen. I to don't Slipknot. blame it. I'm not going to blame <laughs> Slipknot for an action. Yeah. And we t- we talked about that in the in the Slenderman yeah. stabbings. That you know, there's plenty of people that watch these movies, follow Slenderman, like yeah. do these things, and they don't go and try to murder their yeah. friends. Exactly. So you can't really blame the media or blame, you know, and in my generation, it was music. Yeah. Everybody blamed, well, and Slipknot, but yeah. Yeah. So, there yeah, was- they really tried. A lot of these media clippings did. But, of course, the gag order was saying that, you know, the media is portraying these boys out and they're not going to get a fair trial and blah, 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 blah. The judge denied, stating, citing that it was a small community and they had a right to be a part of the trial through the media, and it really wasn't going to affect his verdict. And Idaho also had a long-standing history of allowing open access to the courts, and this was not going to be an exception, according to the judge. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, then they, of course, have back and forth about how the media is going to be allowed and the difference, you know instances in which the media will be allowed, blah, 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 blah. They talk too much, you know? Yeah. They were really concerned with the boy's image, and honestly, if I was them, I would have given up on that because they killed a girl in a small town. They made their bed lie in it. You stupid boys. Yeah. Yep. They even had an order so that the boys could wear civilian clothes during their trial, which I'm sure is more common than I realized, but it was just the first time I'd actually seen the motion, so I thought it was cool. Okay. Yep. Both boys were convicted of first-degree murder, sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. They were sentenced to the same prison, which I thought was really freaking weird because they normally separate people like yeah, that. Yeah, and your co-conspirators. But Brian has since said that they don't talk very much, especially these days, since Tori still claims his innocence. Brian does not. Brian admits to what he's done, and he okay, seems good. fairly remorseful now that he's grown and he's an yeah. adult. And it's yeah. you know easy for us to say now well look he feels so sorry for what he's done but he owns it and he doesn't deny it and Tori still vehemently claims his innocence. Hmm. His parents still back him having done interviews and even written a book about it. Did not read the book. I don't plan on reading the book and I don't recommend that any of you read the book cuz then you're profiting. They're profiting off of us reading yeah. a stupid book about their stupid no, son who actually committed a crime and they're ignoring it. They're in denial. He was equally as guilty as Brian. Brian seems to show remorse, like I've said. He's done several interviews, including one with Keith Morrison in the Dateline special, which I thought mm-hmm. was interesting. It's hard to say, but he seems genuinely sorry for what he's done. I read a story where one person claims to have been in prison with Brian. It could be false. I don't know. There's no. I don't know why anybody would lie about it, but you know, people yeah. lie about stupid crap. He said that he and Brian worked out a lot together and that Brian would regularly help him and spot him like deadlifting. So he's mm-hmm. like, if he wanted to hurt me, he could have just dropped that bar, but I trusted him with everything. Yeah. Um, he also said he never would have known he was a murderer if he hadn't watched A&E's Kids Who Kill and they talked about Brian. Yeah. So the good news is, is after the death, the community really came together for Cassie's family. Good. They had a community fundraiser for her headstone and a fraternity did a fundraiser for the family. They had concerts and many different events all over the city. So good. Appeals were pretty basic. They tried to claim that investigators didn't handle things correctly due to his age, specifically allowing his parents in. This is the opposite of true. They did literally everything right and even encouraged them to get an attorney and they didn't. They then tried to claim that his parents should have been listed as agents acting between them. No. That's not how this works. I didn't think so. Nope. So obviously that was just rejected. Um, And then they, of course, said that he should not have been sentenced to life as a minor after that Supreme Court ruling came out. Everybody says that, that he shouldn't have been sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole as a minor because of how high the chances of rehabilitation are. Yeah. But it didn't really go anywhere. The judge was seemed to be really sure that he would reoffend, and he said as much in his opinion about the case. So mm. they did basically denied that as well. Yeah, it wasn't a super interesting court case in, in trial because everything pretty much went to plan. 
and they yeah. didn't really have a whole lot to pull out of their back pockets to be like surprise or yeah you know anything crazy it was pretty cut and dry they're both still in prison today they i mean they had video evidence of this thing so you yeah can't. there's not much it's and mr tory i didn't do anything is the one who said i'm so horny thinking about killing her so Ugh. sorry you did it mm-hmm. so r- remind me what year did this happen 2006 okay after the trial Cassie's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit claiming that the school district was negligent and should have known that Brian and Tori posed a threat. Oh. The lower court dismissed the lawsuit that year, or last year. This is recent. Yeah. Um, But Stoddart's relatives appealed. The Idaho State Journal reports that the Supreme Court ruled the school district is not negligent because the actions of Brian and Tori were not foreseeable. Yeah. I mean, unless you have some kind of evidence that, uh, you know, somebody knew, like staff yeah. members knew or. Yeah, I mean. Kids, ha- like if kids had seen them and heard them, overheard them and tried to turn it in. But chances are the kids didn't yeah. do that. There's even a section of the video where they're like planning things and they look up and see an adult. And so the he- it's like Brian loudly goes, so number two is what? And like they're faking they're it. Trying. They're trying. So yeah. they're, they're covering. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. That lawsuit didn't go anywhere. But the last thing I wanted to mention is that Pocatello High School is supposedly extremely haunted. I don't think that that has anything to do with the case, but I thought it was interesting. And since I like spooky things, I thought I'd throw that in there. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I have to sneeze. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Thanks for listening. absolutely thanks so much thanks y'all for listening i hope you enjoyed it again i did let us know what you think yes please go on our facebook group go on our instagram let us know what you think talk to us about it we want to see all your pretty faces yeah i want to hear yeah i want to hear suggestions for cases yeah that too yeah because i rack my brain or there's just so many to choose from and what do people want to hear us do and Mm -hmm. so i very much want to hear what people who are listening want to hear exactly yeah all right thank you so much thank you bye till next time bye next time bye thanks for listening guys find us on instagram and tiktok at burden of proof pod and email us at burden of proof pod at gmail.com